It's the Growing for Market podcast. There's two farmers that I got feedback from uh, that installed that sensor to irrigate better. And uh, one of them told us that within four days, he saw the difference. He saw like the, the leaves getting, getting thicker, more healthy. So I was surprised that it, was, it would be that quick first. And the second one, she uh, installed that in some, something else. And she, more than, like, she almost tripled her yields for hot peppers that she was growing. Uh, but just irrigating better, like she, it allowed her to get way more out of her greenhouse. So the impact is kind of big. So if without having the sensor, only by following the amount of light to calculate how much water you should give is a good start. And the other point I wanted to make is that if you do that yourself, you will need to track a lot of things if you want to improve. Because if you're like me, you don't remember what you've had for breakfast. So how many times did you irrigate yesterday? And no way. How, how much light did you receive yesterday? So if you're into improving your yields into your greenhouses, you need to get some consistency and, and some clarity into what you're doing if you want to improve. Because otherwise, you're just going to be blind trying to improve something without knowing the impact or anything. So that's also a start there where you absolutely need some automation if you don't want to take notes all the time. Hello, and welcome to the Growing for Market podcast, where we talk about growing, marketing, and the business of growing vegetables and flowers for local markets like farmers markets, CSAs, farm stands, and local wholesaling. I'm Andrew Mefford, your host and the editor of Growing for Market magazine. For 32 years, the only magazine devoted solely to flower and vegetable market farmers. If you're enjoying the podcast, just wait till you see the magazine. Go to growingformarket.com for more. Also, if you could give us a follow and a rating, it really helps other like-minded people find the podcast. And now let's take a minute to hear from our sponsors. It's with their generous support that we can bring you the podcast for free. Your soil is your most steadfast partner, an asset worthy of investing in. Since 1972, Ohio Earth Food has been the go-to source for high-performing and cost-effective granular and liquid fertilizers, seed-starting soils, and foliar sprays, all approved for use on organic farms. They deliver them right to your farm, too. Don't count on luck this year. Start your seeds in the seed catapult potting soil with mycorrhizae and put their Revita fertilizers in the soil before you plant. And rest assured that your plants will have all of the nutrients, stimulants, and energy for whatever comes their way. These natural blends utilize compost, kelp, and humates and are low-salt index safe for high tunnels. Feed your soil and let your soil feed the plants. Visit them at ohioearthfood.com. Now with branches in Ohio and Wisconsin, ohioearthfood.com. I am so excited to welcome Bootstrap Farmer as a sponsor of the podcast. I've known them for a dozen years, and if anyone tells you nothing is made in the USA anymore, well, they're headquartered and warehoused in Paris, Texas. They make their own all-metal, all-inclusive greenhouse frames of steel made in the USA and fabricated in Texas, and their heavy-duty, reusable propagation and microgreens trays are Midwest-made. With a complete range of supplies, they have just about everything for propagation and growing, including heat mats, ground cover, frost blankets, silage tarps, irrigation, and trellising. Want to color code your seed starting flats? They've got heavy-duty trays that will last for years in a full range of colors, great for keeping farm seedlings separate from retail or just for fun. And they have an experienced team of growers to support everything they sell. If you've heard of the NRCS High Tunnel Initiative providing grants for hoop houses, but have been put off by the paperwork, Bootstrap Farmer has a guide that will walk you through the application process so you can get your hoop house funded this winter. For all that and more, check out Bootstrap Farmer at bootstrapfarmer.com. 
Every fall on our farm, we order a couple sling bags of Fort V potting soil from Vermont Compost. Over the years, we've tried a lot of the compost and potting soil options out there, from making our own to buying off the shelf. And we keep coming back to Vermont Compost, both for overall quality and batch-to-batch -batch consistency. It's that consistency that keeps us coming back. There are so many variables that affect how good your seedlings are. We know Vermont compost will give our plants the best possible foundation, so we can stick to worrying about all the other stuff and not the potting soil. Visit vermontcompost.com GFM for more details. Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming Guillaume Lambert to the podcast. Guillaume is one of the founders of Orisha, a company that is helping growers automate their greenhouses. And after doing a lot of work in greenhouses over the years myself, much of it not automated, I have become a big fan of automation. I think there are a lot of benefits to automation that we may not even know about, which is why I'm so excited to have Guillaume on today. I'm also excited to talk with someone who is as big or maybe a bigger greenhouse nerd than I am. <laughs> also, we are such big greenhouse nerds that we decided to do a second conversation about some more advanced greenhouse climate control in a few weeks. So stay tuned for part two if you enjoy this conversation. So Guillaume, I wanted to say one of the reasons I am so interested to talk to you about greenhouse automation is because I learned how to farm by working on farms. I apprenticed on farms in Pennsylvania, California, Washington State, Virginia, New York State, and Maine before finally settling on my farm here in Maine. And when I was apprenticing, what I noticed was that most of the growers that I worked for had some kind of hoop house or greenhouse, but most of them were treating their protected growing spaces as an extension of the field. As far as using the same varieties at the same spacings with the same trellising and pruning methods as they did in the field. And it wasn't until I moved to Maine and started working for Johnny Selected Seeds where I really specialized in trialing greenhouse varieties and dedicated greenhouse methods and getting exposure to bigger greenhouse growers and university researchers and seed companies who were using dedicated greenhouse methods that I realized there was another way which is really why I wrote the book, The Greenhouse and Hoop House Growers Handbook, because I realized how much even unheated hoop house growers had to gain from adopting some more specialized protected growing methods. So beyond things like using greenhouse varieties at more densely planted greenhouse spacings and greenhouse pruning and trellising methods, one of the biggest areas where I think protected growers have to gain is in better climate control in their structures. And I want to emphasize the fact that I'm using the term climate control and not just temperature control, because as you know, by controlling heating and venting and perhaps other aspects of the greenhouse environment together, you can control elements of the climate like humidity, which goes on to have a big impact on how things grow, like how much disease there is in a greenhouse. Now, in case you're listening to this conversation thinking, I don't have any heated houses. I only have unheated high tunnels, so this conversation won't be useful for me. I want to throw out a quick example of how you can control the climate in a very specific way, even in an unheated hoop house. So one classic climate problem with protected growing is that as soon as the sun comes up, the plants can get really wet because the plants transpire all night long, giving off moisture just like we do when we breathe out. So the air becomes very humid and then as soon as the sun hits the greenhouse, the air temperature spikes from the energy from the sun. However, 
The plants change temperature much more slowly because they're mostly made of water and water changes temperature more slowly than the air does. So you have warm, humid air and plants that are still cold from the night and the moisture from the air condenses on the plants. Bam, you've got wet plants. And one of the biggest promoters of foliar disease, be it botrytis, late blight, or other foliar diseases is having wet leaves. So one of the ways greenhouse growers deal with this is by having the heaters start ramping up a few hours before sunrise, both to dry out the air and so that by the time the sun comes up, the greenhouse environment is already warm, so there's less condensation. It's not the perfect solution, but if you don't have heat, one of the things you can do to prevent wet leaves in the morning is to have your greenhouse vented when the sun hits it so that at least there is some air exchange with some cooler, drier air from outside mixing with the warm, humid air inside the greenhouse that will reduce the amount of condensation on plants. Versus keeping the hoop house closed up tight all morning long, those plants are going to be dripping. Okay, so once again, in a hoop house, it's not a perfect solution because you can't vent when it's freezing outside. That mostly can help in the summer when the air is fairly warm, but also not a perfect solution because maybe you don't want to be out there at the hoop house rolling up the sides when the sun is coming up, which is where automation comes in. And with that, Guillaume, let's let the greenhouse nerdery begin. Yeah. So as a co-founder, can you tell us a bit about how old Orisha is and how you got to the point of starting a greenhouse automation company? Yeah, sure. Arisha is getting to its seven year now. And it started all, it all started with my friend who was working in a greenhouse, like a small greenhouse complex. And there was so many things he had to do. And there's some tasks he thought, I don't need to do that. And you've heard about automation because in Quebec, it's quite common to see that. Like we're kind of a special place in Quebec where the government has helped a lot. So like people developed uh, a lot in, in their greenhouses. So anyway, he wanted to automate his, his small greenhouse complex and he realized, well, nothing's easy. Everything is complicated. It's expensive. And once you start, uh, like he, when he, he thought that he decided, okay, so I'm just going to build my own system out of small things I can find on the internet. So he came to me to help him with that. And when we started to just automate the greenhouse, we realized, oh, shoot, there's so many things that I have to figure out. How should I control the heater and then the vents and then irrigation and all of those things? Once you figure out, OK, it's working well at last, you found the right set points and everything. And then the next day, well, it's cloudy, so it's not the same conditions. It's windy, it's cloudy. So all the configuration has to change to adapt to that. So we just thought, okay, that's way too complicated. Like no way farmers all need to go through that. So how can we figure things out ourselves and then put that in the machine that will just do it for every other farmer so that no more farmers have to spend that much time figuring things out because, you know, well, farmers are there to grow plants, not to do, to play with thermodynamics and stuff like that. So it just all started from there. And then the more and more we talked with farmers, we realized there was a need and we figured out that we were way too geek about it. So we simplified everything. So it, it kind of got to a point where we found that automation is really cool. It can help a lot and on many different levels that we might talk about later. But we're just trying to make things as simple as possible because that's what farmers need, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't even mention that you're from Quebec in my introduction, okay. <laughs> which is, is significant to me because people who've listened to the podcast for a while may know that I went to school in Montreal for a while. 
And then partially maybe from being based in a working for the seed company based in Maine, Johnny Seeds, I learned a ton from growers in Quebec and also in the the Leamington, Kingsville area of Ontario. And I think people may not know it, but there there really is this amazing network of greenhouse growers and greenhouse knowledge in Quebec and also out there in Ontario. So you definitely are in a place that, that has a lot of greenhouse knowledge that, that people may not know about. And some of the most experienced growers that I learned from were in Quebec. And so when I, you know, when I started hearing about Arisha and I, I realized that you guys were in Quebec, I was like, okay, that actually makes, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause there's, there's a lot, there's more greenhouse knowledge there than, uh, I mean, uh, Americans, we think the world revolves around us. And so, you know, we're probably not aware of how much greenhouse knowledge there is. Uh, in Canada and in Quebec in in particular. So I'm really eager to learn from what you guys know. The way I see it, you can benefit from all that expertise like that has been paid for by the Quebec government. So everything is developed in Quebec and then we can try to make it shine for the rest of Canada and, and the States. Yeah. Well, and actually, can I ask you a little bit more about that? I know there's this network of uh, like, I guess in the in the States, we would call it like extension agents or something like that. But there's an amazing network of like greenhouse consultants. And like you said, it's almost like a, I don't know if it's a prerogative of the government there in Quebec, but there are these very knowledgeable people who are available to growers that I think that, that growers who are getting started out can draw upon and just really, t- I feel like, take their skills to a higher level really, really quickly rather than just learning in the school of trial and error. You know, you have all these, you have this network of consultants that have worked in the industry and will go work with beginning growers. And I feel like just take them years ahead in, you know, maybe the course of one growing season. How, how where did that, is there, <laughs> where did that whole network come from? Basically, as I was saying, like the government helps a lot small, uh, well, all kind of farmers in Quebec. And there's a group of growers, experienced growers that used to work in industrial uh, scale greenhouses. And at some point they decided, hey, I want to help small market gardeners, actually. So they kind of left the industrial industry of greenhouses and they brought all their knowledge, their knowledge to help on small farms. So they started like a club of consultants to help there. And it, it was made possible because farmers wouldn't have paid, I, I believe, uh, for those consultants. But since it was highly subsidized, it made it available for small farmers. So like the, the, they took that whole expertise that they developed in high-tech greenhouses and they brought it into this small, low-tech greenhouse and through that subsidized system, uh, it made it possible for many farmers to pay for that service. So it just kept on developing and adapting to small greenhouse sizes. So it, from there, it's not that many people, actually. I think they're f- like the group that I have in mind that helps small farmers. It, it's called, well, I think in English it's weird. It, it's Climax, the, the name of the Climax consultants, I guess I can translate it to. And they're like, they're like four, they're very knowledgeable people. And they're trying to see if the people in the state would be open to their services as well. If someone hear about them, they're really good. And they, they helped develop the whole market garner industry in, in Canada and how to, and how to use greenhouses in a very effective way, like a highly effective way. There's a huge difference in Quebec that we can see from the, the average in the States. Like when you look at the data in Quebec, like the best growers, like market gardeners, they get 
about four times the yields than the average American farmer. So, and that's highly because of that, that group of extension agents. So, and, and now what we're trying to do is see how we can map their brain into a systemized system that we could just put into uh, Orisha to help farmers all over the place with that knowledge. So there's, there's a lot of things that we can help farmers with, and we're trying to build as much as possible so that it gets easier and more like simpler to just, I don't know how to say that, to adopt, the, adopt this kind of practices and good practices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish we had a system like that here in Maine. I'm, and that's, that's, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> Maybe afterwards we can connect and I could find out if they're willing to come to the States, how we could get a hold of that network, because I bet some listeners might be interested in that. But yeah, that's, I took so many trips to Canada when I was working for, for Johnny's as a greenhouse guy, because what I used to tell people is that, that Canada has a, a, a very mature, probably a more mature greenhouse industry than the United States does. And I'm not sure all the reasons, but I know. So one thing that a lot of people probably don't know is that there's a huge concentration of greenhouses in the Leamington, Kingsville area of Ontario, which I jokingly sometimes call South Detroit. Because so Leamington and Kingsville is out on this peninsula in one of the Great Lakes. And so it has a moderating effect of the Great Lakes around it. And so what I would do is drive up to the border crossing in Detroit, cross the border and then actually drive south out onto the, the peninsula. And there's this huge network of greenhouses out there. What I was told is that there was something that was already established, something like 100 acres of high tech glass greenhouses there when they signed NAFTA, normalizing trade across the border. And then in a very short time, it blew up to like a thousand acres of high tech glass greenhouses because they're really good greenhouse growers could grow it right there and ship it across the border. And so there's this whole reserve of greenhouse knowledge, I feel like that's up in Canada that Americans don't even know about. And so and I'm, I'm guessing some of those some of the consultants that you're talking about may have worked in either greenhouses like that out in Ontario or big greenhouses. I know there's some big gr- greenhouses in Quebec as well. So it's really cool that growers who have worked in those bigger sort of more high tech probably places than our our listeners probably are are making their skills and services available because what i would say so i don't want to talk about my book too much i didn't <laughs> think about this but one in fact this picture up at the top most of the greenhouses in the book are much simpler and we put this picture up at the top of a big high tech greenhouse partially because what i did with the book is i went off and I was able to learn in all these high-tech greenhouses and then apply those skills to my own greenhouses, which at the time were much lower tech, either unheated or, or very rudimentary heat. And I found, you know, it's just the laws of nature. It's just understanding like climate control, which I think we're going to get to in a minute and those kinds of things. The, the laws of nature apply equally, whether your greenhouse is a thousand square feet or an acre. And so it's just it's just understanding how to use and control control the climate that's going to change your greenhouse growing. So that you know that's what people need to understand is that all those all the skills you might have more things you can control in a bigger higher tech greenhouse and by high tech I mean like heating, fans, um, carbon dioxide, you know all these things that that smaller growers don't usually have. Well, you might have more things you can do but you know controlling the same things can improve your growing even in a smaller structure. And now let's take a minute to hear from our sponsors. It's with their generous support that we can bring you the podcast for free. Whether it's tomatoes to market, flowers in the spring, or vegetables for your family, growing in a greenhouse protected from the weather provides the right environment for a harvest you can count on. 
Rimmel greenhouses are strong, durable, and easy to assemble, offering the quality that you need to grow productively year-round. Rimmel greenhouses are proudly built right here in America and shipped to anywhere in the U.S. With technical sales staff members located across the country, many with growing experience, the Rimmel Greenhouse's team of experts will serve as your trusted partner every step of the way to ensure that you get exceptional value from your greenhouse investment. Visit Rimmel.com to get a quote today. Today's episode of the Growing for Market podcast is brought to you by BCS America. On our farm, we've had our BCS two-wheel tractor for over a decade, and with no belts to slip, its all-gear-driven construction is still going strong. Though we originally got it for rototilling, we kept it even when we went mostly no-till because it can do so many other things around the farm. From snow blowing to making raised beds with a rotary plow to chipping wood, it can do just about anything you might need on a farm with the right attachment. Need to shred a cover crop? A BCS flail mower will make quick work of even the most vigorous cover crop and chop it up so it breaks down quickly. Want to stir in compost or amendments without inverting soil layers? A power harrow turns your BCS into a precise tilting machine with depth control so you don't mix deeper than you want to. With so many attachments to choose from, it truly is the Swiss Army knife of farm implements. It's why, instead of saying two-wheel tractor, so many people just say BCS. Visit bcsamerica.com to find sale pricing, build your custom BCS package, find your nearest dealer, and more. And now, back to the show. So, let's bring it back to Arisha. Okay, so if growers have never heard of this, you know, maybe growers have a greenhouse and it just has a heater in it that's on a thermostat. You know, thermostat comes on at one temperature, goes off at another temperature. So... Orisha is, how do growers control it? Can they do it from a computer, phone? Are there terminals in the greenhouses where they can make changes? Like, like how, how does a grower control their greenhouse using Orisha? Yeah, so once it's installed in the greenhouse, there, there's no terminal in the greenhouse. It's really in, in your pocket, basically. It's on your phone. You have an app on the phone that follows you everywhere, and you do the changes on it. But the ideal is that you set it once and you can forget about it. But still, it's always nice to, to wonder, oh, is anything burning right now? So you can just get your phone out and see, okay, no, everything's fine. So you, you have everything on the app on your phone, but it's also available on, on a desktop or tablet or anything. It's kind of a, you have access to it through a website and you can see it on, you know, all, all the different equipment that we have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is the basic interface? Like, uh, I'm assuming there's some level of customization where uh, on the most basic level, I would think, you have heating or cooling. I'm thinking like, like this is where I want you, you to tell me, right? Is like heating would be a set point for the, where the heater comes on, a set point where a heater comes off. Ventilation would be like a set point where the temperature is rising when the, the vents open. And then when the temperature is coming down, there's a set point when the vents close again. I mean, that would be that would be controlling a very basic setup with just, say, heating and ventilation. Is that a pretty accurate way to describe Arisha's is a set points? Actually, no. <laughs> okay. That's why you tell me. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most systems work like that. And that's how we build it in the, in the first place so that you can set set points for everything, every different equipments you have. But that's when we quickly realized it was getting very complicated because you don't want to just, uh, like for example, side roll-ups, you don't want them to be fully closed or fully open. 
you want to have some nuance in there. And you don't want to have to figure out, okay, so at that temperature, it needs to be 20%. At that temperature, it needs to be 40%. And that depends on the outside temperature anyway. So if you want to get a good control, it's just a lot of trials and error all the time. That doesn't make sense on a farm where you're already already running uh, everywhere and you're missing time. So what we did is just figure what needs to be done to get to a certain temperature. And now farmers only need to decide what temperature do I want in the greenhouse. And the system is going to figure out when the heater needs to start, if you have one, or when venting needs to happen, when you need to cool down the greenhouse. So you just, on the app, you have to choose, okay, so at this time of day, I want this temperature. And then the system figures out the rest. And if you need to change it, you don't need to go through all the equipment again. You just change one number. So the goal is to be able to get closer to what people know and not having to understand all the thermodynamics I was talking about earlier, how every equipment needs to work and all that. And since the computer takes the decision of what needs to be done to get to the results that the farmer wants, you can include other inputs as well, like the wind speed, uh, the outside temperature, the humidity. And since, well, I don't want to go too far, but like humidity and temperature kind of work together and you use the same equipment to control both. So it gets very complicated quickly. So we don't want that. We want things to be simple, right? So we just enter what temperature you want and the system figures out the rest. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that does. That makes a lot of sense. Well, let me ask a follow-up. Okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that the grower doesn't have to mess around with all those set points. They just, was it, is it, they would say something like, I have a house full of tomatoes. Yep. I'd like the, the daytime temperature to be, say, 75 degrees. I'd like the nighttime temperature to be 65 degrees. You just plug the highs and lows into the program. And then I'm assuming that the app or the, what should I even call it? That program, the app. We just say Orisha. You just tell Orisha to do that. And it's, it's kind of a virtual assistant, if you will. Okay, so your virtual greenhouse assistant. I know, I know you said that one grower told you is the, the greenhouse babysitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your, your virtual greenhouse babysitter. Okay, so, all right. So let's say you're just like, okay, I know I, my tomato house, I'd like it not to go over to 70, over 75, which is, would be a challenge in the summertime. You know, the challenge would actually be keeping that temperature below 75 below, or yeah. low enough. But like, let's say, you know, you're like, You've got to start by knowing what your your set points are. So let's say you say, like, I think I want my tomatoes to be at 75 degrees during the day and not go below 65 degrees at night. Yep. You just plug those set points into Arisha, and then it figures out how to accomplish that with some combination of heating, venting. Like, it's making all the decisions for you instead of you thinking, like, oh, it just got sunny. I need to go open the vents. And then, like, oh, a cloud came over. I got to close them back up again. So Arish is just managing it. Yeah, because the, like the I don't know to say that like the, the levers that the farmers have to control the the climate in the greenhouse or what actually plants care about. It's not when the heater starts; is what's the average temperature during the day, and what are the the differential between night and day. Anyway, that's a bit more complex, but the idea is that farmers don't need to play with these; they just need to play with the the, the end result of the climate, and that, so that's what we ask farmers what, and we figure the rest. And you were mentioning, talking about ramping up the temperature to avoid condensation earlier. So that, that allows Orisha to do it for you. So you don't need to think about that anymore either. So this, by having higher control over the greenhouse, instead of like 
all the tiny gritty details, we can you can just delegate as much complexity and get better result uh, in return. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense, especially, I mean, what you're telling me reminds me of a story that one of those greenhouse growers out in, in Ontario told me. And you probably know this, but I think the reason why there are so many greenhouses there is because of the, the moderating effect of the, the water from the Great Lake that the, I don't know what the peninsula is called, but it's the people want to look at it. You know, it's the peninsula that uh, Kingsville and Leamington, Ontario are on. OK, and so I think that greenhouse growers originally started locating there was for the nice moderating effect that the water has. And so I was talking with a grower out there one time who was a generational, he was in a family of greenhouse growers. And he said that, I think his, they grew a lot of cucumbers and he was from a big family. And he said that, that when he was a kid, if his folks looked out and saw that a storm was coming or something, they'd be like, all right, kids, everybody run out to the greenhouse and like, <laughs> you know, closing vents by hand. And then when the sun would come back out, they'd have to run back out there and open them all, bu- all back up by hand. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that's, uh, I, I don't know, business. I've seen some, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it, unless you have a bunch of kids, it's hard It's hard to do that, especially when you maybe you know, like you want to leave the farm. I mean, it, it makes it hard to leave the farm with peace of mind and, and things like that. I mean, I've seen some crazy systems for greenhouse temperature moderation over the years. And, you know, anything from I know, you know, I, I've seen some growers here in Maine who have wood stoves in, in the greenhouse. And so, like you know, that I mean, obviously, the advantage is your, your crop won't freeze at night. But you have very little control. You know, it's very hard to, you know, quickly damper that that stove if it's getting too hot. And you're probably waking up in the middle of the night and putting firewood in it. And then I actually remember, wait, I mean, this was a long time ago. I remember one grower who would sleep out in his tomato house. (laughs) I heard stories like that, too. (laughs) And he... When he, he said like he I think he was out there in a sleeping bag or something because he said if his nose got cold, he knew it was time to turn the <laughs> to turn the heater on. Right. And so, you know, I'm thinking like that's what you're trying to help growers avoid. Right. Is not only are those things a real pain in the butt, but also that level of control is not going to be as good for the plants as some actual as like like you said, a system that's going to take into to consideration multiple different points. So. In addition to an automated system being able to react more quickly than a human who might be on an entirely other part of the farm when, say, the sun comes out or it starts storming or sleeping when the temperature needs to be changed. Yeah. To you, what are the benefits of automating greenhouse production? Yeah, well, uh, what we see is that all those things about improving the yields, uh, that's kind of a comes later in the process. Like really the first reason why people should look into uh, automating their greenhouse is for, uh, you mentioned peace of mind earlier, and I think your story it, like shows it well. There's so many people who, f- who are trapped on their farm or directly in the greenhouse at night because they're, they're afraid that they're, they're going to lose their crops. So like the, ho- the whole crop security and maybe your revenue that like revenue security that comes with it, that stresses a lot of people out and it prevents them, it traps them on the farm. You cannot go out on weekend because the sun might, might come up or hide behind the clouds and you need to change the ventilation if you don't want to lose blossoms or stuff like that. So first reason, get crop security and reduce stress level. And second reason, just mental space in general. So like before thinking about your plants, I would say to farmers, think about yourself. Like what's, what if you can get all that those worries out of your head? 
And all those back and forth you need to do when you're at the other end of your farm working in some plot of land, I don't know. And then it starts raining or like a storm is coming. You have to run back and forth to your greenhouse. And irrigation is the same thing. So with all that time, with all those interruptions, if you did, wouldn't need to do that, what would you do with that time? So like first thing is it's not what it does for your plant, but really what it does for you as a farmer. And mm-hmm. it comes back to what you want to achieve with your farm. And what you want your life to be like. So if you enjoy having responsibilities over your greenhouse and uh, taking care of it, then maybe that's not for you. But if you if you feel like you're overwhelmed, then maybe that's something that's get, got really interesting as a way forward to get out of that feeling of being overwhelmed. And that's I, I've seen some stats of how much farmers feel burned out or overwhelmed or overextend or just disengaged because they feel stuck on the farm. So when you see 60%, it's more the majority of it, uh, then that's that gets interesting to see, okay, if I want my farms to work, I need to look after myself because I'm the main reason the farm is going to succeed or fail. So really first reason you should look into automating first benefits you can get is on you on your life. And then your crop security, and then comes, well, the time save that you can invest in other projects. The heating efficiency. So if you're heating your greenhouses, I'm pretty sure you're spending money for nothing at some places. So you can uh, optimize how you use your energy to have better results. And it ends with the yields, avoiding diseases and getting better yields. And that's what I was saying earlier. I think that uh, the average yields of tomatoes in greenhouses is four times lower than uh, in, in the States than the best producer we work with, which are not high-tech greenhouses. They, they're still market gardeners uh, and with a hoop house, like 30 by 100 foot greenhouse. So there, there, there's a lot of level you can look at, but the first thing is, what do you want your life to be? What do you, what do you want your life to be like? And what are your projects and do you need space to get them? And most likely the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And I guess I'm thinking about what we're going to talk about today versus what we're going to talk about in our, you know, more advanced climate control conversation. But so what I'm hearing is that the first level is greenhouses are really great. But then there's the whole thing of like, it's really easy to lose plants, right? Like if you're, you know, even if the weather is good, let's say the sun comes out, and your plants aren't very wet, they're seedlings, doesn't take long for a greenhouse to really, the temperatures to spike. It's very easy to lose, like as great as they are, it's also very easy to lose plants. So I can see how that the first, almost like the first level you might be providing people is is peace of mind, is thinking, A, they don't have to be worried about that all the time because Arisha is going to do it for them. And B, they can go, then they can go do other stuff. Like I know I can't count the times on, you know, on our farm, we're doing something out in the field and the weather changes and it's like, oh, I got to stop what I'm doing, go all the way back up the hill, roll the sides up or down. There's a a lady I was talking to, she was comparing like the same one I talked about the babysitter uh, idea. She was saying that the greenhouse is like a baby. Once you get one, you have to be uh, like aware all the time that you might be interrupted and you need to tend to their needs right and another one was saying that like during summer the sun comes out very early 
And if you don't want the temperature to spike and lose some blossom in your tomatoes, for instance, uh, you need to get up early too. And you need to be at the farm, especially if you don't live on the farm. That's a lot of trouble. <laughs> so you have to get up early, go to the farm just to open the side roll-ups, and then you can go have breakfast. Uh, so <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's all that space that uh, y- you're trying to describe, right? Yeah. So let's say if somebody was was interested in Arisha and what, you know, like the, the basic things that they could automate, I'm thinking it would be, would the most basic things that you would automate be temperature, heat, so through heating, rolled up sides, and then in irrigation? Are, are there other things you would consider like entry level before we get into this fancy stuff of just like, it'll handle your heating and your watering for you? Yeah, I, I would go, I would start with what the goal and the pains of the farmer are. Oh, okay. It, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Like if you're sick of losing crops because the temperature is not good and you have a heater in the greenhouse, then venting and heating is a, like a, the side roll-ups, roll-up sides, I think you say in English, <laughs> and the heaters <laughs> is, is a good place to start. But if it's really time, like I, I met a couple last week and they're having a baby this year and they were saying, oh, we would like to create some space for that. Like when we're going to have the baby, we 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 don't we won't have as much time right so we look at what creates the most space and typically it's very the side roll-ups that is the most time-consuming stressful one and then if you don't have some small gadget to automate your, uh, your irrigation irrigation comes second so then that would be the the first uh, thing i would look at uh, otherwise some people automate with cheap timers for the irrigation on the farm it gets Quickly cumbersome trying to walk around, making sure everything works and everything is set up at the right thing. And in, in a greenhouse, if you want to have better yields and you losing on, uh, you know, it's not going to be performant enough, but that's, that comes later. So I really recommend people to start with if, if they want to get into it easy is really automate those time consuming rollups. So that would be the first step. And then if they're more open, I would say, okay, so. W- what else do you have and what is the most painful thing you have to do with your greenhouses? So we try to address that first, I'd say. But typically it comes back to uh, the roll-up sides and irrigation most most often. And ceiling house with heaters, that's easy to plug into. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I think even those sort of like the most basic levels, like you're saying, is it would be a huge weight off of farmers' minds just knowing a, that it's handled for them, and B, like you said, they can check in, right, as, as, whatever, yeah. as often as they want, <laughs> and on, on their phone and see like, oh, yeah, everything's good in the greenhouse. Because I know, so the, the book, greenhouse book that I wrote has been out for about seven years. And one of the reasons that I was excited about Orisha is because back when I was writing that book, I realized it may have changed a little bit since then, but a lot of growers would have just a really simple, essentially like a temperature alarm. You know, like a basically some kind of thermometer, automated thermometer out in the greenhouse that would they might be able to, they would could check in with the temperature and then they could set a point for an alarm. You know, it's going either too cold or too hot. But if that happened, the ball is in their court. You know, it's like it didn't solve the problem for them. And so so then there's the whole then you got to go figure out why, like, is the temperature low because my heater died? Is the temperature too high because my roll up side motors died or, or whatever? You know, then then you still have to, to solve it. Or my employee forgot about it. <laughs> That's a common yeah, one. Yeah, somebody forgot. Too. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to know is how does the Arisha system interact with all the, the controllable points? Okay, so like roll-up sides, heater, 
it, I'm sure there's pieces of hardware, like I'm assuming, like the motorized rolled up sides. Yeah. Can you tell us about how essentially how the Arisha system interacts with heaters, roll up sides and irrigation to make sure those things happen? Yeah, sure. So when we, we start with those three, it's quite simple. So the roll up sides, we just put a like low voltage motor on them and then on that motors, you have two wires coming out of it and you just plug that in, in a unit in a box and that's it. You're ready to go. Uh, the heater, it's about the same thing. On the heater, you have a terminal on which you plug your thermostat. So you take a, a wire the same way you would do with the thermostat and you plug that, those two wires in the unit and you're done. And the last one is the valve for irrigation. So once again, two, two wires, you plug them in. And then the system has access to all those three devices or equipment. And if you want to control them, there's two ways to do it. You can do it manually, but it, then you need to think about it. So it's, it's not what we want, <laughs> but it, it's still possible to do it if there's an emergency or something. And then uh-huh. the other way is just you tell the system what you want. It's a bit like you would you would tell an employee like i want my plants to be watered these times or on that specific way so you just enter that into the system and it will do it for you and you you don't need to think about it anymore and for the temperature as i said earlier uh, you have instead of saying i want this temperature precisely because that's never going to happen because in the greenhouse it's not very well isolated so it changes all the time so you just say I want this average temperature, which is what the plant really cares about. And you have one for the day, one for the night. And you can, and the, the system, once you say, okay, I want it to be 75 degrees, for instance, uh, then the system says, oh, okay, so now it's 80, so I need to open the sides, but I will do it gradually. So not to make sure to overshoot or undershoot, I don't know how to say it. And then the heater will need to start. And then it will heat up too much and then the, the side will need to open again. So you will lose energy. So instead of having to think about that, the system just goes slowly and make sure to get to stay in the right range to get to the right average at the end of the day. So you just say, I want that. And the system does it basically once you connected everything in. So like you said, it's trying to keep it at a certain average over the course of the day because people know, like anybody who's ever grown in a greenhouse in the summertime knows like even if your target for the crop is let's say 75 degrees in the middle of summer you're it's hard to even keep it at 75 degrees and so but i do i do know that plants do, do respond like there's way of looking at plants on a day to day average and then like a weekly average and each and so probably like the effects of of a weekly average versus a daily average is too technical but yeah. <laughs> does it orisha it sounds like it's working on a, a daily average, right? So is it, can it compensate? Like if it got a little bit too hot during the day, would it compensate by bringing the nighttime temperature down a little bit? Or uh, you tell me. It will, it will try. Yeah, that, that's getting technical. But typically, yeah, the system tries to adapt. So uh, if at noon it's really hot, then the rest of the day is going to lower the, the temperature. So it's going to ventilate more when the sun's going to come down to keep it cooler. So at the end of the day, you got as close as possible to uh, the average you targeted. Of course, once, as you mentioned, if it's really sunny in July, for instance, and everything, like the sides are open, if you have fans, they're running, louvers, they're open, the doors open, we cannot do way more, right? So after that, the only thing we can do is adapt when the sun lowers in the sky and the temperature goes down. But there's some times during the year that 
you, you're never going to manage to maintain the ideal temperature, but we live with it and we get the best out of the conditions we have. Right. I mean, that's a really good point is that there's only so much even like, like the best temperature control can do, you know, when you have very hot or very cold or very sunny temperatures, you know, it's not, you can't control the climate completely, but I think it's fair to say that automating it is better, is better than, than just like opening them and closing them yourself. Yeah. And even like what we have to do to make it work well is we have to predict what's going to happen. So we look at trends and stuff like that. So you don't need to know about that. But the, the thing is like normal thermostats, what they do on a heater is uh, they make it make super big swings of temperature uh, because right. it reacts too late. And they typically people use uses um, propane heater or natural gas heaters. And it takes like two, three minutes before the sensor sends the temperature because the heater has to have that boot up cycle or something. Right. And then when you stop it, it keeps on going up because the temperature, like there's a thermal mass in, in, in the heater. So you end up having very huge swings of, of temperature in, in the greenhouse. And it's not that good for your plants, let's say. Keep that simple because it's just, it's like a human if you put them outside in the cold at minus at zero Fahrenheit, let's say here today. And uh, then you, you put them in the greenhouse at 25 and then outside and then inside. It's, you're probably going to get a cold, right? So the, the, it's the same thing for the plant. So having a more precise system can help, but that's still, that comes after all the, I, I think the weight it has on farmers' shoulders, that's really the first step that people should address. Like all those things about having better yields or less diseases in, in the greenhouse comes second. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good point to make. I think a lot of people may not have thought of before is that, you know, plants are living things just like we are. And they, they yeah, you know, we don't want to go from freezing cold into to blazing hot. You know, plants appreciate gradual temperature changes just like we do. And that's hard to do, whether it's you, you know, opening or closing vents or, or a thermostat turning a heater on and off for, for the reasons that you said. It's, I can see how you all, you need something a little bit more like a system like Arisha or something like that to make to make the more more gradual changes so all the different actuators let's say so like the motors that would roll up a roll up sides the valve that would turn irrigation on or off the thermostat that would control the heater are people getting that from you are they buying that off the shelf somewhere like where, where are people getting the hardware that the Arisha system interacts with yep obviously we we don't like if you you want to have a heater in your greenhouse, we don't have that. Uh, we used to not have anything. So people would need to go to their greenhouse supplier, buy what they needed and make sure it's compatible. It usually is, but uh, still. But uh, more and more, we're trying to include that and have an offer that just is as easy as possible for farmers. So let, let's say for the, we have a starter kit that comes, uh, it's basically for those roll-up sides that I was talking about earlier. So since it's the first thing uh, that makes sense to automate for most people, we have we had a kit for that. It was just the automation that you, you have to plug the motor that you buy uh, outside in. But now we, we, we noticed that it's kind of a project you have to do on the farm among all the other things you have to do. So we're trying just to say, okay, so you buy this, and you have everything you need. You don't need to go to the hardware store to get anything. You have everything in the box so that you can get your motor plugged onto the, the pipe holding the side roll up. So you just remove the crank, 
put the motor there, you have the boat, you have everything. And then uh, there's a guiding rail that's included as well. So you just follow the instruction a bit like uh, with Ikea and then <laughs> you're good to go. <laughs> so it's not all the equipment we managed to do that yet, but we're trying to go towards that place where farmers just have less to figure out. So we, we figure things out for, for them. Yeah. Because we do, we see that every day. So, and farmers do that once in a lifetime or maybe a few times they have, they had greenhouses. So it makes more sense that we figure that. And so that the, it, it's easier once again on the farm. Yeah, well, exactly. That's, I think that's one thing about farming is that it's so seasonal. There are certain things that you only do once a year, or, you know, like setting up a greenhouse. Maybe you only do it once every few years. It can be like, okay, wait, what, like, what parts do I need to find? How do, how do I do this? And so I like the whole having things uh, set up for you because also I think gr most people don't have access to greenhouse stores. You know, it's, it's not, I think greenhouses, at least here are not mainstream enough. You know, people can't just, it's not like going to the hardware store. People can't just go down and like, look at what's on the shelf and ask somebody who's knowledgeable and they're like, oh yeah, you're going to need this motor to roll your sides up and down. So I think that actually makes a lot of sense to be like, I'm sure you can d direct people to other suppliers or just be like, I mean, I think it makes sense what you're saying about how you started carrying some of the, the hardware. And I want to invite you to tell me the other day you were telling me about how the, your pricing model, where th there's an option to pay like a flat fee that covers everything. And that was very interesting to me. Can you tell us a bit about how that pricing system works for you? Yeah, sure. It started with, I don't know, single purchase model, like you would do with most things in life you buy and then it's yours and then you have to maintain it. And uh, if something breaks, you have to find some money in your cash flow to pay for the replacement and everything. Mm -hmm. And we, we were talking to people and wondered what is the most painful thing with that? And that there's kind of three things that came up is if I have a question, I want someone that can answer me. So we were talking about the installation, how to figuring out if everything works well together. So we want to be as present as possible with farmers. Second thing is that when something breaks, it's always a pain. <laughs> so we, we don't want people to kind of be, to, to be in a bad place because something broke unexpectedly and it's not on warranty anymore or something. And uh, the last one is a uh, system being obsolete, getting obsolete. So that's something we saw also, and it's kind of common with technology. So to, to make everything simpler, we just thought, okay, so why not making a service like an automation service? People don't really care about the hardware. They just want to not have to open their sites anymore, to not have to stress about losing crops anymore. So we just offer that as a service. So it's, it's a monthly fee. You have no upfront cost. You don't buy any hardware. We just cover everything. So it's easier on people's cash flow. You don't have to plan for anything. It's just like Netflix, right? It's just you pay every month or like internet. Internet is a better example. You pay for the internet access. You don't pay for the modem. It's the, the modem? Modem? The yeah, hardware, yeah. the yeah. internet hardware. Yeah, hardware, sure. Modem, yeah. but yeah, modem, yeah. So so we do the same thing. Like you pay to have peace of mind and we supply everything you need for that. And we help along the whole process of getting it set up. Uh, with the starter kit I was mentioning earlier, it's about two hours to get your roll-up up and running, uh, your roll-up side motors and everything. So it's, uh, what is it? I think with including the motors, it's it's less than than a hundred bucks and you per month. So you, you pay, I think it's 80 bucks and you get the motor, the uh, automation hardware, and then you can have the app that is included in that. And you have someone that helps you while you install it. If you have a question, we help remotely. And even if we give a training so that people can benefit and know how the system works, 
so that they can get the best out of it. So the idea, once again, is how can we make things simple? And uh, you don't want to go through financing, finding finance, have to finance your projects and stuff like that. So we take that, uh, all of that on ourselves so that it's sim- simpler for farmers. I love that idea just because, well, for one thing, we're trying to encourage farmers to be more business-like or at least be on, you know, be on top of their, their business. You know, one of the things for expenses is predictability. You know, I, I love being able to have just one number, you can plug it in all 12 months, like the rich is going to cost me this much. So that seems brilliant. I love that idea. Let's say somebody already has a greenhouse that has heaters in it, has roll up sides, you know, obviously they're irrigating. So they, you know, they could, they have a valve or a solenoid or something on their, on their irrigation. Can people either just buy Arisha as a system and make it run their existing setup? Or if, if for whatever reason they want to can they buy the parts off the shelf from you or can they, you know, they can go to their, their local, their, you know, order parts from a greenhouse supplier, get their own parts and just get the Arisha system to control the parts that they already have. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I'll try to rephrase, tell me if I understood correctly. So you're asking if they already have their parts in the greenhouse and they want just to plug in Arisha in there, if they can connect both together, if it's compatible. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, can they basically just buy the system, the programming, if they have the, the, all the, the, the hardware to automate that stuff? Can they just buy Orisha essentially to be the brain, the babysitter? Yeah. <laughs> for the, and, and just run their greenhouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can be just like the, the guy in front of the orchestra. Oh, the conductor. Conductor, yeah. Orisha can only be the conductor of the equipments you already have. Okay. So we, we need to make sure that it's compatible, but like with market gardeners, it typically, like we've designed the system for the market gardener standard system that they have. But if you get into like a more complex setup, like more high tech greenhouse, then it often gets more complicated. Uh, so we need to check that out, but typically it, it works fine. Sometimes the valves, there's kind of two ways like solenoid electrical valves are working. Like one of the two is not working well with what uh, with the system that we have so that can be something that is not smooth but just changing the valve is not expensive i think it's 10 bucks per like everything included 10 bucks per month for one valve so you can go with that or the valve is by itself 50 bucks or something okay so i think you were saying if people wanted sort of like the starter package of arisha that's it's something like did you say it's something like 80 80 bucks a month well, it starts at 35 if you want if you don't have your mortars and you want to include them it's 80 bucks a month, yeah. Okay, so just so that person who already has all the 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 hardware. Yep. And just wants just wants Arisha to babysit their greenhouse. That's the base is 35 and then it's more like I imagine it's that you have other things you can add on more and more and more. Yeah, exactly. If you want to have wind sensors, for instance, or and that 35 is to really get started. If you want to control humidity or a pest with the misting systems, you can always add stuff around it. But if, if you have nothing and you want to get that little bit of peace of mind and try it, you can you can start at 35 per month. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about the weather system because that was one of my other questions. So I'm imagining there's a, there's a is sensor module or something like that. I mean, like, yep. is that something that you have to get from Arisha? I'm imagining. So it, this is once again, I don't, I don't have one. I'm jealous. In fact, like, 
I think if if we get into doing some different things on the farm, I might like to get one. But so unfortunately, I don't have experience yet. But is there is, uh, you know, like a lot of people are probably familiar with a little weather station in a a lot of greenhouses have just, you know, you got to have something in the greenhouse. I mean, I guess some people like the heater, like in the most basic situation, people would have a heater that has its own thermostat, which can be very inaccurate. Because, of course, the, you know, it's going to heat up around the heater and the other end of the greenhouse can be cold. So it's really ideal to have a separate either, I don't know what you call it, weather station or t- temperature sensing module. Does Arisha have something like that, like a little weather station or temperature module to, to know? Like, how does it know what the, what the conditions in the greenhouse are? Yeah, well, with all systems, the temperature and humidity sensor is included. So you can track t- temperature and humidity in the greenhouse. And then if you want to get the weather station, we, we sell all or we, you can include all the um, different sensors separately according to your needs. But for people getting started, we're using the weather network. So uh, if you connect it to internet, you don't need to buy extra sensors unless you want to get more precise. But you can save money by if you're in a place where the weather, like the weather forecast is good, just uh, you can work with it. Okay, so you mean Arisha takes into account the weather forecast? So if you feel like the weather forecast is pretty reliable for your area, you can just rely on the weather data that someone else is providing? Or you mean, like, if you want really site-specific weather data, you have, like, like one of those little systems with the little yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the thing that goes <laughs> around measuring wind speed. So that can be feeding, like I'm thinking there's a feed from outside the greenhouse, either from weather data or your own weather station, giving site-specific yeah. weather, out, out, telling, telling Arisha what it's doing outside, and so it can compare that to what's going on inside? Yeah, maybe I, I will try to be a bit uh, clearer on that. So you, no matter what you go for, you always have a sensor in the greenhouse. And that will allow us to know when it's too warm or too cold or too humid, and etc. And after that, we use a bit of outside the outside temperature, outside humidity data, but typically that works well with the weather station. But then there's other features, like if it's raining, you don't want the rain to come inside the greenhouse because you don't want wet leaves, or some people have the greenhouse getting flooded, so they want to uh-huh. uh, close the vents when that happens. So you can have a sensor for that that detects it and that just closes the vents when it's raining. Same thing when with the wind. When it's, when it's very windy, you can put a threshold where it's going to close the side. So, or, and if you have a peak vent, then that's really helpful too. So it, it won't break. So, and in these cases, like the wind, you need like a on-site sensor because otherwise it's not precise enough. So that allows you to not have to worry about something breaking uh, <laughs> in your greenhouse or getting the greenhouse flooded. So once again, the goal of that is security, but like plant security, but also not having to worry, like really get every, everything out of your head. You can just trust that it's going to be done for you. That makes sense. Well, and also I'm just, I'm also just thinking about our, like our listeners, like if they, if they're not, haven't thought a lot about or aren't familiar with the idea of automating a greenhouse, you know, they may be sitting there thinking like, okay, well, so this is, this is the babysitter for my greenhouse, but how does the babysitter know what to do? You know? So I, I wanted to, I was like, just think about the process of how the signal almost like comes from the weather station, goes to Arisha, Arisha reacts, right? It's like, it's too hot, too cold, too windy, rainy, whatever. And make, uh, I just wanted to ask the question of how, where Arisha is getting its information from, to, uh-huh. to make make the decisions. So you have this the sensor, 
the sensor tells Arisha, uh, okay, so here we are, and Arisha takes a decision. It's kind of an algorithm in there, figuring out what needs to be done according to what we, we read in the sensor. And then it changed, it talked to the actuators. Okay, so it's too warm. Yeah, you have to open a bit the side, a bit more the sides. And then the motors are going to go up. It's going to have an impact on the sensor because it's going to cool down in the greenhouse. And then the sensor is going to tell Orisha, okay, so now we're good. So now the Orisha tells the motor, don't move anymore until the sun moves. And then that loop started again to adapt uh, to uh, what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know one thing that a lot of automated heating can uh, oftentimes save save energy, so, you know, which also saves growers money, of course. I think a lot, a lot of growers, their number one expense is labor. And I think growers who are growing deep, like extending the season a lot, you know, second or third biggest expense can can be heating. Can you tell us how automating heating can make heating more efficient? Yep. The first thing is that typically people have the open manually the sides, right? And they have the heater on the thermostat. So when you open the sides uh, during the beginning of the day, because it's sunny, for instance, and then you go do your things on the farm or at the farmer's market or whatever. The temperature goes down in the greenhouse. The heater is going to start and your side roll-ups are going to go. So that's an easy one. Then the second thing is uh, in your greenhouse, you don't want to heat at the same temperature all the time. It's actually going to be bad for your plants if you're always keeping it at 75. Uh, it's not optimal, let's say. Uh, so you could lower that temperature when it's cloudy so that you, you won't need to heat as much. And there you can save also, because if you lower the temperature when the, the plants don't need it, it, it won't create this uh, unbalance in the plant and you won't heat to create that unbalance. So you can save that energy there too. And the, the bonus one is you can use the heater to prevent diseases in the greenhouse. So there you spend more money for heating, but you save on problems later. Uh, and you get better yields at the same time because you don't struggle with botrytis or other mold or fungus problem. Uh, so th- th- these are kind of the three places where you, you, you can get a better efficiency with your heating. And if you consider the, the first two, I think you, it's hard to, to, to measure, but you get between 20 and 40% depending on how reckless you are with your side roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> 20, 20 to 40% savings on, on heat expenditure. Yeah, I think we, we calculated 20 just by using the right, like between automated constant same temperature all the time and automated with varying temperature according to the light availability. And that's something that you can do with this system. That's one cool thing that by specializing on small farms, actually we can get those good practices built in the system. So it's not a generic system. It's something designed special, like specifically for growing tomatoes or other vegetables in a greenhouse. So the temperature, when I said earlier, you set the temperature for the night and the temperature for the day time, you have actually two others. So one, when it's sunny, one is, when it's partly cloudy and one is, when it's cloudy. So you can get uh, that different range of temperature and the heater would just not heat as much when it's cloudy. So you you will save more energy. And when it's sunny, the heater probably won't even heat anything because the sun is going to do the job. So by focusing on what the plant needs, you can save by not heating for nothing. Right. Okay. So like you said, not giving the plants heat that they don't need. It's actually harm them (laughs) to heat too much. 
But that's for the second talk, the more advanced one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've already been talking for an hour. Like I'm just holding myself back because I want to ask you about, <laughs> you, know, you know, like how it can harm too much heat can harm the plants. And, you know, you made a really interesting comment when we talked a little bit the other day about plants needing more heat to process the, you know, the sh- extra sugars that are made on a really sunny day. And I want to talk about that more, but maybe that can just be a teaser for our listeners. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's so much more that I want to ask you about, but I do realize that if we're going to keep this podcast to a manageable length, we do have to save that stuff for another time. So that's something we can talk about next time. I'm going to throw out a question here. And if this is something you want to save for next time, you just tell me. I know humidity is something that's a bit more complicated because humidity is a function of both heating and venting. And I'm not sure if the Orisha system does this, but I know sometimes growers will run the heaters with the vents open to let in some drier air and reduce humidity because humidity has so much to do with plant diseases and also how fast plants respire is partially controlled by how dry the air is. You know, plants, of course, respire faster when the air is really dry because, uh, I mean, this is getting, you know, there's a greater vapor pressure deficit. So we're, we're veering... Okay, maybe we'll talk about vapor pressure deficit a little bit next time. So we're, I think we're veering into the advanced stuff here. But I did want to, if, if it's something you want to talk about this time around, does the Arisha system control for humidity? And if so, can you talk a little bit about how Arisha manages humidity? Okay, I, I suggest a compromise. I will answer your question with a, keeping it not too nerdy and we can talk more about humidity next time too all right we'll nerd out on humidity next time <laughs> but uh, the, the the quick easy answer is that yeah uh, you can control uh, the humidity in your greenhouse with orisha uh, once you have your side roll up plugged in actually it can do pulses but there's, there's different strategies that the system will do you don't need to think about it it's, it's going to do it for you depending on the the other condition it's going to find a smarter way to do it and you can do it with heat like while heating without heating the system can adapt to everything you throw at them basically it's just it takes two clicks to get the humidity control started and then you can play with the aggressivity of it if you feel it's not enough or you, you or if you want to save more energy you can make it less aggressive uh, so you have only like oh, two clicks you get started and then you can play with the aggressivity with uh, uh, a few different questions that there there's in the system okay and so, so is that what you mean as far as more aggressively managing humidity is going to do more of that like opening vents and turning on the heaters at the same time, which kind of sounds strange. You know, if you've never heard of it before, <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I've talked to people who are like, what? Like just throwing money out be... the window. <laughs> yes, exactly. But that's, I've seen it. It's it, that can help prevent disease so much because, you know, you know, people have to think more. It's not letting cold air in and throwing hot air out the door, even though it is. What it's doing, what you're doing is reducing the level of humidity. You have to think about humidity can be such a problem. And so the, the, I think one thing we're kind of dancing around here is that warm air can hold more moisture. So I'm not sure if everybody knows that because, you know, the way I think of it is warm air is a big bucket and cold air is a small bucket. Right. So warm air, you know, we think about like summertime, like tropical humidity, you know, summertime when it's warm. The humidity can be very high because warm air can hold a lot of moisture 
and cold air can't hold as much moisture. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a lot of what that technique of running the heaters with the vents open works on is that you are, you're letting out warm, humid air, you're letting in cold, dry air, and the heaters are running to bring that cold, dry air back up to the temperature that you want it to be. So it's one of those things, it seems very counterintuitive to run the heaters with the vents open, but it's, it's very, growers will understand it's very a good idea to reduce the humidity, especially if it's, if it's really high. Like if the greenhouse has been closed up a lot, humidity is really high, things are going to grow better. You're going to have less disease if you get that, that humidity down. So exactly that, I mean, to, to my mind, that's a very important thing to, that Arisha could do is be able to control humidity without d- doing it kind of randomly, like just like, all right, let's turn the heaters on and open up the vents. Once again, it's one of those things where Arisha can probably control it more precisely than any human could. Yeah. And that, that's one of the cool thing of the, the technology actually is that once you, you, you plug your equipment of the, of your greenhouse into that little brain of the system, then we can just develop all those techniques from trials and error and scientific calculations <laughs> and uh, put that into the system so that you don't need to think about that because it's very complicated. I, I'm trying not to explain how the vapor pressure deficit works because it's just so confusing. It's just so hard. Like Even when I explain it, I have to think about it and I, I've been talking about it for five years now. So it, it's really complex for not much in the end if you can have something that does it for you. And the, the second thing is that we can include some energy saving uh, options in there. So sometimes the air outside is is not worth it's not worth changing the air because it's going to cool down the greenhouse and it's still more humid than it was before, like uh, entering the, that air. So anyway, there's different strategies that, that that's what we're trying to do. Is that there's so many things you can do, but you don't have time to learn about them all. So just we want to make that available to people without them having to go through university and dehumidification. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad you said that because we chatted a little bit the other day and there's something that I really like that you said that you haven't yet. And it's that you tell me if I get this wrong, but it's that one of the goals of your system is that everybody doesn't have to be a greenhouse expert. You know, it's like, so like that might be bad for greenhouse book sales, <laughs> but, but it's, it's really, it's really good for growers. I think that would be a great thing. Like I enjoy understanding the why behind of like, why do plants grow better if the humidity isn't too high? You nerd. But, yeah. Cause I am. Yes. I'm a nerd. Like we all, we all have something that we nerd, at least one thing that we nerd out on. Obviously greenhouses is one of my things, but like, I got to say, like, in a way, Arisha is uh, one of the ways I think about it is it's democratizing good greenhouse control, right? Because like you said, you can go to university, you can spend a whole education learning about this stuff. You can also, you can learn like the hard way, a lot the way a lot of farmers do. You, you could go work in a greenhouse for years <laughs> to, you know, understand like why you're reducing the humidity, what the levels of control are and things like that. But what I really want to see as a publisher of a magazine and somebody who's enthusiastic about local food movement and thinks we should have more local food, I'd rather growers not have to be experts themselves and just be able to tap into a system like Arisha that can probably manage their greenhouse better than most humans could if they're running in and out when the, as the sun's coming out and, and going back behind the clouds. So 
You know, I love that idea that you're keeping every grower from having to be a greenhouse expert themselves because they can they can rely on the expertise that you have on your team. And, and like you said, I mean, I guess it's an algorithm or, you know, like I don't really understand the programming side of things. But basically, you know, to me, it's like a computer program. You know, you, you can let the expertise of the people who programmed it take over instead of you having to think about like, hmm, it's going to be cloudy today. So what do I want my my like set point for heating to be? You just let let Arisha do it, which which I think is a is probably a really great option for for a lot of people. First, I want to say, I, I think I told, um, don't remember if I told you that, but uh, there's an employee here that uh, suggested that we send a copy of your book with all to all new customers that we had. So maybe it won't be that bad for your <laughs> your book sales. But we haven't done it yet, though. But you can well, try to come let, in. Yeah, let me know when you start doing that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that, Keep that person. They're, they're a really good employee. Yeah, he actually is a really good employee. But yeah, so like how we trying to, this winter, the, the developments we're, we're trying to do. And by the way, like all new developments are sent to the system that are connected to internet, at least uh, through uh, updates, right? So everyone benefits of all the new developments that we make, all the new expertise that goes into the system. And what we're trying to work on this winter is how can my grandma use the system to grow like a pro? <laughs> so like... Uh, even we were talking about the farmers don't shouldn't have to think about all those the set points for the heater yeah. for the vents for all that just about what temperature they want in the greenhouse but still this is like most people ask us okay now my system is set up what temperature do i put there and it's still it's still hard to answer because we're a bit too perfectionist so we say oh blah 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 blah, blah. it takes 15 minutes explaining uh, everything uh, and then the farmer is kind of okay so how do i do that so we want to get to that point where you can just tell the system, okay, my, my tomato plants have five leaves and actually that many fruits. So we can translate that. Okay, so we have that light availability. We ha- the plant is that mature. And so we can know, okay, it needs that much water and it needs that temperature to adapt to the how much light there is. But still, uh, let, let's say teaser for next uh, the next talk. <laughs> won't go into too many details. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I realize it gets so nerdy. Like when you go to those big <laughs> greenhouses, there's stuff that I think most people haven't heard before. Yeah, I'm talking about like God, like how many leaves do the plant have on it and managing the plant based on, you know, if it's like a seedling versus, a you know, if it has this many plants, it's sort of like a teenager plant. And then if it has this many leaves, it's mature and manage, manage the mature plant differently than the adolescent plant. And you know, it can it can get so nerdy, and and so I think that's a great thing if if girls don't have to get that nerdy. You know, like if they want to be nerds about it and think it's interesting, great, you can go nerd Always. out on it. <laughs> but then, yeah, yeah, call Guillaume. <laughs> but if you, you know, it's also great. Like I want people to just be able to grow well, whether they want to nerd out on that. You know, maybe there's something else they want to spend their time nerding out on. And so I think that's a good thing to be able to give people the ability to grow at a very high level without having to uh, like go out and count the number of leaves on the plant and even know what that means. Because like greenhouses are expensive, right? Like getting the structure, the equipment, the time you put into it, just building it. And so you need to have that payback on it. You need to have that that minimal yields after that you need to sell the vegetable but still you, you need to get uh, to be efficient with your greenhouse that's why people get so nerdy about it is that and and that's something we see like in quebec uh, market gardeners have one maybe two uh, they don't have that many greenhouses but when you get out of quebec where the expertise they don't have that climax consultant that I was talking about earlier and people tend to have 
three, four, five, six greenhouses because to get the amount of tomatoes they need or whatever vegetable, they need just to have more structure. So you pay three times the price to get the same amount of of dollars at the end of the day. And then when you have many structures, you need more labor to uh, maintain everything. So it's kind of, if you can get everything more efficient, and that's what I tell people, before buying a new greenhouse or a new tunnel, just look at how you can improve what you already have. And there's things that are free to do that you don't need to automate. There's, I think you talked about density earlier today. And I guess you have that in your book, right? So you only need to buy a book. <laughs> and you can, <laughs> because that's something, like we see some tunnels or greenhouses, they, they're almost empty to, for what we're compared to, uh, what we're used to. And you can sometimes just double the density and you grow, you will grow twice more in one greenhouse just by that simple tip. So having that, those nerdy details, it's kind of a lot to learn, a lot to know. And that's what we're try, trying to simplify. But still, you can have, it can have a huge impact on your farm, on your business, on the time you have to invest, and whatever else are your goal, right? So buy Andrew's book. <laughs> you will grow better. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Listen to Guillaume. <laughs> um, but I think, I think he's, he's really right. I mean, like what we say to people is that the protected growing areas, so the greenhouses and hoop houses, are the most expensive real estate on the farm. You know, it's it's precious, precious real estate, right? Because you paid to buy the structure and either put it up yourself or have someone else put it up. And so it has the highest potential to pay you back, but it also has the highest cost. And so like, that's a really good point. Like when, like when we started out with our greenhouses, you know, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that I know now we started out with single rows. So this is back to your point about density is that we doubled our yield over the course of just a few years. Part of that was doubling density, right? I mean, that's, that's a simple, you know, like we went from single rows, just like most people do out in the field. We went, so then I went to all these greenhouses and I saw they were all, all the high tech right. greenhouses growing in double rows, right? Because of course a double row has less pathway per, you know, square foot or square meter of plants. So we doubled our density over time. And also, and with good management, we also doubled our yield. So good, very good, uh, very good point. You know, it's greenhouses are expensive to build. They're a lot of labor. So you've got to have, uh, you've got to make them pay back. At least if you, if you want to do that for a living, uh, if it's a hobby, as you said earlier, it's different, but like, even if you don't do that for the money, right, just for the stress of not uh, having an empty bank account, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and definitely, you know, our magazine and our podcast are definitely focused on commercial farmers. So, I mean, I mean, what we call market farming of like farmers markets, CSAs, farm stands, local wholesaling, that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's, that's who we're really here for. So, you know, I think it's really important to talk about profit, right? Because if you're, if you're, you're not going to stay in business if you're not making a profit, obviously. So, well, Guillaume, we've been talking for a good long time. Can I have one or two more questions for you before I think we're going to veer into the, the higher tech stuff that we maybe save for last <laughs> or next time? Now, this is one thing. I think this is a pretty quick one. We are talking about automating irrigation. And I know a lot of people have irrigation on timers or maybe just turn it on and off by hand. People may not be familiar with the way. I know a lot of greenhouse growers irrigate based on how much sunlight is hitting the crop, right? So, you know, of course, it's better than like, let's say if you have, I don't know, half an hour, you know, you just put a half an hour of water on every day. 
you run the risk, if especially if you have a cloudy day or a cloudy week of the plants getting too saturated at the root level, and that you can get root diseases and things like that. So can you irrigate with Arisha based on how much sun is hitting the greenhouse? Yep. There's two ways of doing it. And the first way is you know, we have those three presets. So sunny, partly cloudy and cloudy. So you can have like a list of start time, like a timer, de- depending on what kind of day it is. So that's the first option you can have. It's simple. The second one is with a solar sensor. So it's re- it will measure how much energy the sun has given the greenhouse. And then for every bit of energy, it's going to give a bit of water. So it follows perfectly. Once again, you get more precision with the sensor, uh, but you don't need it. At, if you're beginning, just you can start without. And that allows you to map uh, how much water you give to the, to the, um, well, the, the needs of the plants, basically. Because if the plant, if there's no light, the plant won't transpire as much. And if it's not transpiring, then it doesn't need to go get water in the soil. So uh, the soil is going to stay wet and then the, there's going to be problem, like you mentioned, diseases uh, and other, other things. Uh, so like get, getting that right is one of the important stuff for the plant. And, and even ooh, when uh, fertilization, <laughs> like uh, the nutrients, so there's some nutrients that only go through the plant through water. So having good yeah. irrigation is important. And we have also have like some uh, sensors that goes in the soil to measure how humid it is. So you can adapt how you irrigate. But these are kind of fancy, hard to use stuff. So I, I don't, uh-huh. if, you're, if you're a geek and you want to optimize, sure. Otherwise, I wouldn't recommend those. I think like the solar uh, sensor is, is way easier. Uh, if you have many greenhouses, it's cheaper as well. So that's a good way of seeing it. And the other thing, the number of leaves of your plant, like the more foliar uh, surface yeah. you have, the more transpiration you're going to have. So the more water you, you want to give. So if you're, if you have a baby tomato, you won't give as much water as if you have a m- mature uh, plant of tomato that have, you know, those walls of, uh, of leaves, uh, they're going to transpire yeah. way more so they need more water, right? So that's the second aspect of how much water you, you could, uh, you should give. Okay, cool. That's, yeah, I was both curious about the, the capability of, of Arisha on that. And also I just wanted to bring it up because I certainly hadn't heard of that idea of irrigating based on how much sun is hitting and of course that's something that's very that would be hard for somebody to do right you almost need to automate yeah, yeah. that right because you have to have a sensor sensing yeah. how much sun is hitting the the greenhouse and i've i've talked to a lot of growers who have really good luck with that because it's so finely tuned to how much energy the plant is getting and how much drying and also how much how much water the plant is taking up is closely tied to how much you know, how much sunlight is hitting it. So I just wanted to bring that up almost so people would know that that's even a, a feature, you know, something that exists. Yeah. And something that's interesting is w- there's two farmers that I got feedback from uh, that installed that sensor to irrigate better. And uh, one of them told us that within four days, he saw the difference. He saw like the, the leaves getting, getting thicker, more healthy. So I was surprised that it was it would be that quick first. And the second one, she uh, installed that in some something else, and she more than like she almost tripled uh, her yields for um, hot peppers. 
as she was growing, uh, but just irrigating better, like she, it allowed her to get way more out of her greenhouse. So the impact is kind of big. So if without having the sensor, only by using, by following the amount of light to calculate how much water you should give is a good start. And the other point I wanted to make is that if you do that by hand, if you do that yourself, you will need to track a lot of things if you want to improve because you don't know what you like if you're like me you don't remember what you've had for breakfast so how many times did you irrigate yesterday and no way how, how much light you received yesterday so if you're into improving your yields into your greenhouses you need to get some consistency and, and some clarity into what you're doing if you want to improve because otherwise you're just going to go you're just going to be blind trying to improve something without knowing the impact or anything. So that's also a start uh, there where you absolutely need some automation if you don't want to take notes all the time about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially since overwatering or underwatering can create problems, right? So it helps you be in that sweet spot. Yeah, over anything and under anything. Like you always have that tiny sweet spot and you have to figure which where it is and nobody can tell you because it changes all the time. So it's kind of a comp- like greenhouses are quite quite complex and we're, we're keep trying to make it simpler. Uh, we still have like so much to do, but uh, hopefully we'll get to a point where uh, someday uh, it's going to be a button you press tomatoes and then <laughs> <laughs> then everything is going to be perfect. You won't have any diseases in there. Uh, yeah, but it's still there's low-hanging fruits that are very uh, easily uh, attainable right now. Uh, like dehumidifying, uh, if, you, if you don't do that at all, uh, it, it can have a huge impact. Like we, When we, we started, People were telling us how uh, automating a greenhouse and having that uh, automated dehumidification because people didn't know how to do it, so they weren't doing it. And uh-huh. and now they could just click on two buttons and it was ready to go. And they told us it, it didn't eradicate everything, but it changed so much. They, they all said pretty much uh, it's not perfect, but it's very close to it. So even without having like high-tech technology doing it, just need a side roll-ups and you can get like a, a long a long way towards having less problems into your greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. Well, related to uh, diseases, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's funny. That actually reminds me one time I was on an airplane I was flying somewhere and I was sitting behind two pilots who were, you know, not flying the plane, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a lot of times when you're on a plane, you'll see pilots like getting to their next stop or whatever. And I just happened to overhear their conversation and they were talking about how automated airplanes were getting these days. And they were, they were joking that one day there would be a, a button on the plane, one for up and one for down. And it's just like, <laughs> press it. So that made me think about that when you're talking about, you're like, you'll have a tomato button, a cucumber button, a pepper button, an eggplant button. But seriously though, I mean, the other thing is there's growing is so complicated. I'm thinking it, it would be handy if your greenhouse ran itself because there's so many other questions about like what variety to grow, how people should prune them and trellis them. And, and like, there's so many other decisions that still have to be very hands-on. I think it doesn't, it doesn't take all the romance out of it to even just like automate, to have the greenhouse system run itself so you can focus on like having the right labor, doing the right things at the right time, growing the right crop, you know, like they're like really farming and especially small, small farming. Like, you know, most of our customers would be like be considered by anyone's standards, fairly, fairly small farms. And so they have to wear so many hats. 
as far as you know, do their own marketing and they're their own HR department and their their own accountants and everything. It's like HR is a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean that's one thing I know. Like labor, labor is always an issue on on farms, right? Is it, so I think the reality of it is is the kind of our audience is not those huge greenhouses over there in Leamington. Uh, you know, our, uh, where they actually do have an HR department and they have people who are only doing one, you know, one job in the greenhouse. And then stuff, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the way I look at it is if people can, if people can automate their greenhouses, that's great. If the greenhouse can run itself better than a human could, that's even better. So I have one last question for you. And I just, it's really more like a follow-up on something, you, you know, you were t- saying how people tend to see uh, an increase in yields when they're using a, a, or a, an automated system like Arisha. So I believe, I don't doubt that. I've, I've been to so many greenhouses where they're getting very high yields because they've already dialed in a lot of things. But really like for our audience, if you could just tell us a little bit about like where are those increases in yields coming from? Can you explain how a nicely automated system like Arisha is going to result in, in increased yields? That's something we try to measure really hard. And it's it's hard because farmers have a lot to do and tracking like tr- tracking yields and stuff like that is not uh, on the priority list. So it's hard to get data about how, like the impact that it had. But this year we got, v- and we tried to do some statistical analysis using models and stuff like that to be able to measure the impact that we have so that we can better improve how we do it. But uh, it's still very intuitive process, unfortunately. But this year we got a, a farmer that is working with us and she has two greenhouses and she only took the time to install one, to install Arisha in, in one of the two. So we got, that is the closest that we got to, to get like a real result of, of the impact of what we're doing. And uh, yield wise, let's say, because uh, with time and mental bandwidth, we get so many feedback and that that's really cool. But uh, about the yield, uh, that lady was producing the same thing in the two greenhouses. So it's even better. And the same conditions oh, were perfect, like all yeah. same condition. So that's kind of the perfect uh, result. And, and the result she told us is that without changing anything to how I, I do stuff, uh, except one is automated and the other one is not, uh, she saw a 30% change between the two. So that's... And it was not like fancy stuff that she had. Like it was roll-ups, heater, I think, and maybe a fan. And so that that's to measure, I guess, that that can give us an idea. And then earlier I mentioned another lady, Mary, she's called. She said that she, she almost tripled uh, her yields uh, year over year. So there it's different because the conditions are different from one year to the other and kind of there can be other things but still you can see that for her it was uh, the irrigation that changed and using misting to prevent some spider mites problems if i remember mm-hmm. correctly so uh, how you can see yields like where where do the yields come from what was your answer is how you can better transform the light you receive into tomatoes or uh, yeah. vegetables and that process is quite complicated. There's so many places where you can go wrong. So not having having too much water, not having enough, like you mentioned earlier, being it too warm or too cold, being it too humid, not enough, uh, not uh, too dry, and all these comes back to what well, we can. That that will introduce the next conversation we'll have. But it comes back to I guess two things, which is the photosynthesis process and not having disease problems. So immune system of the plant. 
And uh, so if you keep a balanced plant, it's going to be like a human. If a human sleeps well, eat well, uh, exercise, it, it's going to be more resilient to uh, diseases. So same thing with the plant. And, uh, and the other aspect is if you can maximize how you like the photosynthesis process and what you do with the uh, energy that you transform into sugar, uh, you can uh, have an impact on your yield there too. So yeah, I guess uh, the, the difference comes into being more efficient into turning light into tomatoes. Uh, it, like this, at a simple form, that's how it, what it is. And it's quite interesting. There's a book here from a guy from Quebec who, who's been working a lot of greenhouses and we've been talking with him a few few times and he shows how much energy, like sun energy, you need to get one kilo of tomatoes. And that ratio depends, uh, depending on the farmer's efficiency and the greenhouse efficiency, I guess. If, if your poly is all blurry, it doesn't let as much light go through, then right. uh, it's not going to be as efficient because you the plants won't receive as much light, even though it, it's very sunny outside. So, and, and we saw that from the Leamington of this world to the really good market farmers that we work with, uh, I think it was like a, something like three times the difference. And when we look at the American average, I think it's seven or eight times difference. So you see that there's a huge potential that we can get by just improving how we grow, st- how we grow the, the tomatoes. And when we look at farmers and how th- like their typical day, and we think, okay, how can they optimize what they're doing? And there's absolutely no way they can do it <laughs> because there's no space to think about it. There's no space to learn about it. And they, they don't have, they, they're just putting out fires most of the day. Not all of them, but it's a big part of farming, right? Or any business, I guess. So how we can make that easier? And it has to not involve much of farmers' time and energy and finding the labor that's going to be knowledgeable enough to do it is very hard. Because and if you want it to make sense, you would need to be so much more efficient to be able to pay higher salary for them. And like that whole dynamic is, gets really hard. But if you can have a computer, a tiny computer in, in the greenhouse, and you can develop that expertise once and then have thousands of people benefit of it, I think that's how we can get people to get more out of their greenhouses and make small scale farmers more competitive in our food system. So that's kind of the the dream here. <laughs> yeah, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? All right. Well, believe it or not, I think yeah, we've already been talking for over an hour and a half. You've been you've been very generous with your time, and I I appreciate it because I know well I wasn't going to say this, but when I took over Growing for Market about eight years ago, I was planning out a greenhouse project of my own. And, you know, I got to the point of quoting the structure out and quoting the temperature control out and everything. And it was going to be the temperature control was going to be really expensive. And I think that it's a great service, something like Arisha is doing of making it you know, a really nice temperature control system that's more affordable. I mean, I I think it was going to be like ten thousand dollars the the temperature control system that I was going for at the same time, which which I was trying to build like a half to two thirds acre gutter connected greenhouse. And so I think if you've got that much space under cover, 
it pays, you know, you got to have something to automate the whole greenhouse. But obviously, every grower who has a couple, like you said, 30 by 100 foot hoop houses or greenhouses is not going to spend $10,000. Like they just can't spend $10,000 on automation. And so that's why when I first heard about Arisha, I was like, awesome, those guys are doing what, you know, I would have potentially paid like $10,000 for for, like you said, either like a reasonable monthly payment, whether people want to roll it all, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, it's basically democratizing really nice temperature control with which a lot of growers can can benefit from. So Guillaume, thank you. You've been really generous with your time. I did want to ask you just, is there is there anything that I should have asked you about or that you wish that I, I'd asked you about? Anything else you want to say before I let you go? And there's maybe one thing that made me remind that what you just said reminded me is the other day you asked me something about how big you have to be for automation to make sense. Oh yeah. And I was thinking about it this morning and in the car when I was driving and it came to me that it's not at least when you start as I said it's really the time and bandwidth that that you get and the crop security that you get that is the first reason I think to to start with automation so what it it was it's not a question of size just more of a question of how much time and how much space you can create by not having to think about that and what you would do with that time and space that you created so if you want to change something on on your farm which there's always some improvement to do and you want to create the time to do it I think that's where automation can make sense. It's not the size of the greenhouse. It's more what you would do if you wouldn't have to worry about it. So, and you mentioned like a half an acre uh, gutter connect greenhouse. Then it, it's kind of, it comes back. If you're looking about the yields and you want to improve yields, then it makes sense to look at the size of the greenhouse. But if you're looking at what as a farmer you you want to do, it's, mostly not the side of the greenhouse that is important. It's more about the size of your projects <laughs> and what you want to achieve with it. So I thought it was uh, interesting to, uh, to share is that don't look at the size of what you're doing because we have this very, very tiny farms we work with and they keep working with us because they see the value they, they find. So, and we often, so often hear that people are too small to automate, but it's more what are your projects and how can you create a space to do it? If you, if you eliminated everything you can, then automation can be an option that comes afterward. So hopefully it, it helped anyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I bet that a lot of people will be thinking that of like, is my greenhouse or is my system big enough to automate? And so I think that, like like you said, the, the mental health aspect of just not having to worry about everything all the all the time is probably worth it all by itself. And then if they can get any of those yields, yield, those yield benefits that I think they're likely to get from from automating, then it it, sh- it sh- should pay for itself. The, the feedback that we receive is not very often about yields. It's more often about mental bandwidth that has been freed by the system and the confidence that things won't burn, cook, or freeze in there. So I thought that was the most important thing to remember because that's what people are telling us. It's not about the yields. It's more about the time that they save. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's that's really interesting to me because I would think that a bunch of farmers would be really focused on the like the bottom line of like I pay this much for the service and then I make this much from it. But that's I, mean, I think that's very telling. It's it's the it's the value of having a babysitter for your greenhouse, right? <laughs> priceless. Yeah. yeah, and priceless. I like that. <laughs> but we, we try to make that payback calculus and and show to yeah. people look how what you can do and 
obvious and not obviously, but what, what came out of it is that people don't really care. <laughs> like most people care about the time they're going to save. And, and this, I think it's, it makes sense because measuring the yields is not that many people that, that have the time to do it. Yeah. So it kind, it's kind of very blurry what it means. And you have to trust that it's really going to have an impact. Because it's easy for someone to tell you, yeah, 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 it's going to double your yield. And then it's not, right? So, well, with us, I guess it, w- it wouldn't be a good idea because people pay-, pay per month. So if they don't see the result, they're just going to stop paying. But uh, so we, we better not lie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so in the end, I, I would have thought that increasing yields would be the interesting part. But I think it's the geeky part after all. <laughs> for most people, not, not everyone, but for most people, it's really the, the life quality that, that they they're looking at mm-hmm. all right well that's yeah the la- actually the last thing i want to say is guillaume where can people find you either online social media wherever you want people to find you where where can people find you yeah well so the, i think the easiest way to find information about what we're doing is the website so arisha.io but to be really honest the website is really not clear we really need to work on it so better give us a call but you can find the phone number on the website so you can call us and i think you have my information andrew and you're probably gonna write something under the podcast so you can put my email in there if people want to reach out Oh, it would okay. be a pleasure to answer. Yeah. We'll put all that, well, the website and sure, we'll put your email if you want us to in down in the show notes, make sure that people can can find you. So, all right. Well, Guillaume, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with you. I look forward even more to nerding out even more in, in part, part two one of these days. But thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about Arisha and Greenhouse Automation. I look forward to the next time. Yeah, that, thank you for the opportunity. Like, uh, we're working so much about learning about all that, that stuff. Better, it, it's, it, it would be sad that it wouldn't help anyone. So sharing it is uh, is good opportunity for me. Thank you. Awesome. I think it's going to help a lot of growers out. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Growing for Market podcast. If you've been enjoying the show, please consider giving us a follow and a rating or a review. It really helps others find the podcast. For more tips and tricks from farmer to farmer, check out our magazine at growingformarket.com. Whether you're a commercial grower or just want to grow like one, subscribe to Growing for Market magazine for the nitty-gritty of growing, marketing, and the business of market farming. We publish 10 issues per year with articles written by experienced farmers on topics ranging from tools and techniques to farm business operations and marketing. If you've been listening to the Growing for Market podcast and haven't yet checked out Growing for Market magazine, we've made a change so you can try the magazine for free. We've added a free month to the beginning of all first-time subscriptions. Try out the digital or paper magazine subscription for a month, and if it's not for you, cancel within 28 days and you'll never get billed. Even the most basic subscription gets you a year of the magazine plus 150 back issues from the last 15 years. With digital subscriptions starting at just $30 per year, head on over to growingformarket.com and subscribe today to benefit from over three decades of writing by farmers for farmers in Growing for Market magazine.